Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Loy, and I've got Brooks Childress with me here this afternoon as a final show of the week. So we'll recap kind of the, the week and look forward to the weekend. We'll have Sports Call's Player of the Week coming up around 4.30 today. Uh, and of course, that's for the previous week, so a little bit late, but uh, that is A-OK. We'll also, at the end of the show, have a one to watch for over the weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about this 2024 SEC schedule. We were deep diving on some teams yesterday. Didn't get to all the big programs. There's still a couple more big programs to talk a little bit about today. Uh, college baseball, having the College World Series start today. Round two of the U.S. Open. More Brave success and a lineup change to talk about. So, uh, a lot to talk about on this Friday edition of Sports Call, even a little call at Auburn baseball recruiting as Auburn has been busy in the transfer portal. Butch Thompson said he'd get right to work after the season concluded on the recruiting trail, and he certainly has. And so uh, a lot to talk about here today on the Friday edition of the program. Again, all of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here. Brooks, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm great. I'm ready for the weekend. Uh, just a couple hours away from, from the weekend. Some people may already have it off. Uh, so it, it's it's a wonderful afternoon. Got Had the U.S. Open on most of the day today, so we've been watching some golf here from the Los Angeles Country Club out west. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of low scores. You mentioned uh, in the office earlier. You kind of get nervous when you see those uh, the, the lowest lower scores in the U.S. Open side of things because it's one of the more difficult tournaments uh, out of the four majors. So, watching uh, been watching some golf, uh, getting ready for you know a big weekend of baseball. College World Series got underway today. Uh, Oral Roberts is first game versus TCU. They're they're in action right now up in Omaha, and so. Um, well, you know, there's some college baseball happening, LSU, Florida, out of the Southeastern Conference, as well uh, as uh, a couple other teams. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's a fun time, fun, fun, uh, fun, getting set for a fun weekend. Braves still at home or back at home, won last night against the Rockies, got three more against the Colorado boys uh, the rest of the weekend. And so can't wait to talk about all that. Can't wait to get back into some of the schedule talk because we, we we touched on the, the some of the big ones yesterday with Auburn and Alabama and then the two new schools coming in with Texas and Oklahoma. But we get deep dive a little bit more into the, the 2024 SEC schedule, talk a little bit about that. And, of course, get to uh, all of our callers because can't wait to talk to all of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, the number to call us today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, Tiger 9. As we start today's show, again, if you missed it yesterday, uh, again, 
fill you in briefly here on Auburn's schedule for 2024. Uh, we'll kind of close the book on the 2024 reveal today, and then next week and, and the following weeks we'll start to look towards topics for 2023 and, and, and remember that there is a year to be played before we get to, to this point in time. Uh, but the 2024 schedule was revealed Wednesday night, and Auburn again, if you have not heard or if you've forgotten, their eight-game slate for 2024 in the SEC, hosting Arkansas, hosting Oklahoma, hosting Texas A&M, hosting Vanderbilt, then at Alabama, at Georgia, at Kentucky, at Missouri. I did this kind of ranking yesterday, this uh, this key where I, I rank the teams in terms of potential 2024 difficulty, 1-16, to 16, not program history, mostly how these teams are positioned right now with a little dose of tradition just to see, you know, for example, Oklahoma, are they truly going to be a six and six level team in two years? It's unlikely, but it's possible. So you got to factor in stuff like that. So I tried to rank it out one to 16 and which opponents would be most difficult. My formula did not include the difficulty diff- contrast in road and home games. So that would be the one kind of a mission there. This is just purely the names on the schedule and just purely names on the schedule. Auburn with one of the easier roads in 2024, uh, as I had them spit out tied for the 11th most difficult schedule uh, in the SEC out of 16 teams. So very palatable. Again, the keys at Alabama and at Georgia, that would have happened under normal rotation in 2024 anyway. And, of course, those are the two biggest rivals. Got to keep that. But I think Brooks, looking at what's not on the schedule maybe this time, maybe using that slant of it. Uh, no Mississippi schools, first time since the 1930s that's happened. No LSU, which from a difficulty standpoint is nice, but also from a history standpoint, you know, a little disappointing. Uh, obviously, Auburn not going to keep all their rivals once the set rotation becomes set in 2025 or beyond and then also if you're the one that was really hoping for uh, Florida no Florida on that schedule either and of course this is a one-off so they could have done whatever they please I mean they Auburn could play all those teams it would have been a, a a viciously difficult schedule if you'd thrown thrown an old Miss and thrown Florida and especially thrown LSU on there but uh, so some of those key games have been playing for a long time, not on there. Auburn's got some games against some teams that are, you know, don't really have much history with in the SEC, especially uh, those East teams like Kentucky and Missouri. Got another year of Vanderbilt, so two straight years playing Vanderbilt. That certainly helps the, the difficulty rating. But, again, I don't think that if you're talking TV games or talking big games for Auburn, that's going to do much. So, when you factor all that in, Brooks, again, one more time, your your thoughts on the schedule. And, and I mean, e- this is on the easier end. Would you prefer it to be a little bit more difficult with some of those more uh, natural teams on there, or are you good with this? Um, I mean, you know, I, 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 as a as a Auburn fan, you can't complain about having an easier schedule uh, for for your football team. Um, I like I said yesterday, I would have liked to see that Florida game because they just have, they haven't been to Auburn since 2011, and you just went to Florida in 2019. So I, I would have liked to see that turnaround game where you you do you know kind of finish out the the rotation that the SEC was in. Um, so I, I would have liked to see the Florida game on there, 
And it, you know, there's something about not playing LSU and not playing either of the Mississippi schools that you, you know, you kind of are like, well, I wish I could see that. But, you know, you, you do get, uh, like I said, you get the easier side of things. You get a Vanderbilt back to back years. You get Missouri, who is, is a team that, ha, you know, can have potential year after year, uh, year after year. But, not a lot of it, it hasn't really clicked with Eli Drinkwitz up there in Columbia, and so you're, you're probably either getting a, a Drinkwitz who's who's fighting for his job next year, or you you know if things go south this year, you could have a new coach up there that hasn't quite got his feet under him. So I'm fine with that. Kentucky's a team that could uh, that can play you play you tough. You saw them, you know, they almost beat you at home in twenty in the in 2020 when they came here on that that weird wonky schedule. But you, you know, you, you get to go make that return trip to Lexington now. Uh, I can't complain about it. Like I said, the only complaint is would I like to see Florida come here and play that uh, play that Florida game um, to to finish that out. But honestly, it's it's good. It's a good schedule. We mentioned it yesterday. You get Oklahoma here for the first time they've ever played. Auburn's ever played Oklahoma outside of the city of New Orleans. They played them twice in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, and they—that's only where they've played. They've only played New Orleans. Auburn's never traveled to Norman. They've never come here. Um, so, you get to welcome Oklahoma into the conference with the home game at Jordan Hare Stadium. You know, hopefully that's that first year of that ESPN contract. So hopefully it's big under the lights game. You, you would hope that they can. You know, you can get maybe a, a, a prime time slot for that, and then. Everything else, you know, it's an Arkansas team that's up and down, Texas A&M team that's got a ton of talent but can't, you know, has not been able to do anything with it. And then you get Alabama and Georgia who, you know, you can complain that you get them both on the road, but it would have been both on the road next year anyway. And so it's not really a much of a change up there. So I like the schedule. I'm, I, I don't think there's a lot of complaints with it. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 gives, it gives Hugh Freeze a, a, a set that if he, you know, if he doesn't have a, a great year this year, which not not a lot of people are expecting to have a great year, you're just trying to get you're trying to see some improvement. This schedule can help you continue to improve that with a couple uh, games that you would expect that Auburn's going to be favored in. Of course, the college football playoff will expand to 12 teams in 2024. So, uh, of course, there will be new ways to make the playoff. You won't have to make it unscathed through the entirety of the season especially in a league like this where we figure that there will be three, four, maybe even five bids on occasion that sets a clear pathway if you get the worst version of Oklahoma, the version that you saw last year, if you get a still out-of-sorts Texas A&M, you then start to look at the rest of it as very, very doable. If Auburn goes 10-2, and two, of course, they've got a, a weaker non-conference game. They'll host Cal in 2024. Uh, if they just lose to Bama and Georgia, they do everything else, which, again, there's a long way to go because you got to see 2023 play out for not just Auburn but for everybody else. But just thinking, projecting down the line, 2024, very doable. And if you go 10-2 and two in the SEC going forward, starting in 2024, I believe that's going to be very hard to leave you out of the, the college football playoff, really just no matter who you are. So uh, that is definitely a consideration. Before we go to break for the first time today, also – uh, we almost went a full day without a commitment, but uh, nevertheless, we do have another Auburn football commitment to tell you about. This time, a preferred walk-on, as in the form of J.R. Buckner. He is a six-foot, two hundred forty-pound long snapper from Auburn High School. So, someone staying closer to home. Again, a preferred walk-on, so not a scholarship 
here. I guess uh, they're saying ranked as the number one long snapper in Alabama. I'll be forthcoming. I don't know how much that says. Uh, but uh, J.R. Buckner, six foot two forty long snapper out of Auburn High School, a preferred walk-on for the Auburn Tigers in this next recruiting class. We're going to take our next time out. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Make phone line for the first time today and a little bit later, birthdays in sports. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. know how easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn i'm Corey grant former auburn football and nfl running back and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress on this Friday afternoon. A little bit drier of a day for the first time in several days. You, Thank goodness. No one got woken up overnight, hopefully. No. Well, not by a storm. By a cat. By a cat. Yeah. Yeah. She was a little rowdy this morning. Well, again, at least it was not thunder and lightning. And well, it could have been. <laughs> okay. Well, not that kind of thunder and lightning. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. We go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing today? I am good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. I know that y'all were talking about the twenty twenty four schedule for next year, and I actually seen uh, some great. Uh, games on next year's schedule for Auburn. You excited about like an Auburn and Oklahoma game? Uh, yes, I'm very, very uh, excited to see Oklahoma actually coming uh, to Jordan-Harris Stadium. Uh, I haven't seen an Auburn and Oklahoma game in person or I haven't read on any um, history between Auburn and Oklahoma but I think this would be the first time in in Auburn's football program history to actually see uh, Auburn actually play Oklahoma in Jordan-Hare Stadium as well. Yep, that is correct. The last time the two teams played, period, was in uh, New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl, and that was, I believe, 2016. So, But the, the teams have only met in New Orleans. They've, they've never met on either one's home campus. Yes, because I mean, when when we play like um, another team, I'm very I'm very excited to see Auburn uh, play different teams instead of playing the same teams that we play year in and year out. And I think what uh, what the SEC is looking at is uh, they're expanding it. So I think um, I'm looking at maybe in the near future, like 2025, 2026, 2027. Some other uh, schools might might uh, actually be 
in Auburn's radar to actually play uh, to play at Jordan Hare Stadium in the near future as well. Yeah, they'll always have some uh, some different non-conference opponents, and of course, uh, conference can conference expansion has always been uh, a big part of it. And we'll we'll see if the SEC ends up adding more teams down the road. We'll see. James, who who do you really want to see Auburn play in Jordan Hare Stadium in the future? Um, I would like to see in the near future. I would like to see Auburn play against Army. I, I would love to see. Army University and uh, the Army Golden Knights play against Auburn Tigers. I would love to see that as well. And that and that game, uh, I will actually have to put that game would be for. Um, I'll have to say uh, November the eleventh, twenty twenty seven. November the eleventh, twenty twenty seven. And that will be a really good um, time for a lot of people that uh, would like to see a, a a good school like Army play against Auburn as well. Yeah, that would be uh, fascinating to pull off there on a Thursday night in November of uh, 2027. But uh, yeah, that one be, well, that one would be very different. Have that triple option attack and have the Army. Uh, Army team here, but uh, yeah, we, we'll we'll see who Auburn schedules in the non-conference in the future. Yes, as well, and then um, for my future non-conference games, I would like to see Auburn play. Um, I would like to see Auburn play uh, Tuskegee University Golden Tigers as well. You know, in the near future, probably like 2028 or 2029 as well. Yeah, that one probably wouldn't be a uh, a regular season opponent. That might be something you do a, a scrimmage against or something like that. Tuskegee on a much lower lower level of football than than the FBS. So I uh, don't know uh, how likely that one would be, but uh, you, you never know. And teams do move over years. But uh, I know that Auburn might end up only having three non conference opponents in the future if uh, they end up going to the nine team SEC schedule in a few years here. So that will also limit who Auburn will be playing in the non-conference. Yes, that's all, because with this year's uh, with this year's game that's going to be played in 2023, I think with Hugh Freeze doing a lot with the recruiting and seeing some of the new recruits that are going to be coming in for 2024, um, I, I, I think that we need more on the depth chart uh, next year and the year after that, because I think with some of the new recruits actually signing in from these high schools and, and signing their names on a great uh, college uh, scholarship, you know, to come to Auburn and uh, actually seeing a lot of uh, history that we have at, at Auburn as well, because we do have a lot of history. We do have a lot of tradition and you, you really can't get it anywhere else, but here in Auburn as well. Yeah, that Auburn does have a lot of uh, history and tradition, and you know you talk about going to see the 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 exhibits inside Auburn Arena, Neville Arena, all the time, and so yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a you know it, it's a great place to come to school and play football. What else you got for us today, James? Well, I'm actually going to be uh, looking at tonight. I'm looking at uh, the uh, the NFL the the uh, NBA uh, draft and uh, getting to see what I'll be looking at. Um, on week on day one of the NBA draft and uh, getting to see how the NBA draft uh, is going to look like this year as well. 
Yeah, one week from last night, the NBA draft will have both of their rounds, uh, June 22nd, 2023. Uh, are you excited for the, the Mavericks pick this year? Um, yes, I am actually uh, very excited to see uh, who we're going to pick. And um, I'm looking at some great guys, but I'm just trying to see um, if they're going to do the NBA uh, scouting combine before the draft. So I'm actually going to be uh, looking at that and uh, seeing who we're going to actually, who I'm going to be looking at for my G League team, which is the Texas Legends. So I'm actually going to be looking at some of the new guys that might be playing with the uh, with my G League team and my uh, Dallas Mavericks as well. So I have to I have a lot of uh, studying to actually uh, take in on tomorrow as well. Yeah, sometimes second round picks can be uh, can be going straight to the G League or have two way contracts. So you never know. First round usually pretty safe to say they'll be in the NBA, but second round not not always. Uh, James, we got another caller or two on the line. So uh, do you have some final thoughts for us today? Um, I don't have any final thoughts as well, but um, I could actually uh, hold off on that NBA uh, draft until Monday, if that's okay. Yeah, the uh, draft trivia, that'll fit well with uh, the draft being next week. All right, sounds good, and uh, talk to y'all guys on Monday. War Eagle. War Eagle, James. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. Next up, Ed from Auburn. Ed is with us. Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, guys. How are y'all? Doing well. Uh, 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 first off, happy Father's Day for any of the fathers out there. I don't know if either of you are at that point yet, but to you know, you be sure if you're not to call your fathers this weekend. You know. And to, to your listeners that are fathers, but but I, I was gonna just kind of add in on on the scheduling. I've I've got no problem at all with Auburn schedule. I you know I'm I'm kind of happy with it. And uh, like y'all have, have mentioned, and we all know it, it you know it's gonna change. But but I thought it was kind of interesting that, to me that. Uh, it was pretty well known that Nick Saban was one of the main ones, you know, saying no nine-game schedule. But he still wound up with teams he was, you know, complaining about. And, I mean, Tennessee used to be one of Bama's biggest rivals, you know, and they've been kind of lame for, you know, most of the 2000s, except for a couple of years, but I think they're, you know, back up there, and LSU, you know, obviously is doing well. But I mean, what do y'all think about? That? Do you think he was happy with what wound up? Because I, I mean, I don't think you can this day and age. I don't think you can predict too well as far as who you want to play in three or four years. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, no, we've been trying to do our best to project teams even two years away from now in 2024, and it can be quite difficult because we look at something like Oklahoma and for the entirety of the 2000s, I mean, that would have been a tremendously important game and against a, a great program that's been winning 10 games plus every year. But, of course, they had their last year or worst year in 25 or 30 years last year. So it, it, it yeah. kind of makes it tough to tell. And as far as – Alabama's point of things you're right Ed we um, we've thought about that and you know it was supposed to be Auburn LSU Tennessee could be the three 
constant opponents for them with the nine game, and they got all those plus uh, a trip to uh, Oklahoma uh, and plus Georgia on that for the and the home side of things. So they they got everything they didn't want and, and more there from that from that perspective. Yeah, and, and yeah, and like I said, I it's always you know it's going to change a little bit, and you know they're we're always hearing every day that there may be a couple more teams, you know, added in the next couple of years, you know, but we'll see about that. But yeah, I was just wanting to say I'm, I'm as, as an Auburn fan, I'm fine with what we got. And I think everybody should be, you know, pretty much okay with it. All right. War Eagle guys. War Eagle. I appreciate that phone call. That is Ed from Auburn joining us on the Auburn bank phone line. Yeah. Again, I think that the difficulty wise, I mean, everyone, uh, is 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 good with with this. I don't think too many people complain about a weaker schedule, unless you're just saying, "Oh man, I wanted one or two more just big matchups in terms of just I wanted the hype around it and and that sort of thing." I think really the only criticism, maybe from the Auburn perspective, is that there are some non-traditional games on there when you could have kept it pretty similar in difficulty with more traditionals if you had maybe Ole Miss instead of Arkansas, or certainly if you had like Mississippi State instead of Missouri, that you know that way it would have been – I think that would still be pretty balanced. I think it would be about the same result, yet you'd have teams that you'd been accustomed to playing. But nevertheless, I mean, uh, Auburn has obviously had the, the rivalries with Alabama, Georgia, and LSU that they played each and every year for a long period of time. And, and Georgia, especially how they've become now. And even in the Mark Rick days, they were good. I mean, it was not like they were national championship good, but they were constantly nine and ten wins. I was the, say eight, eight was their yeah, floor. Yeah, I mean, they, they still were a top 25 program. It's just they were not getting over the hump, so to speak. Uh, and, and so, obviously, with, with Alabama always being played, and then with LSU, the dynamic, which is still fascinating to me, that – uh, each of the last three head coaches have, have won a national title with LSU of, of course, varying degrees of, of quality of coaches from Nick Saban to uh, Les Miles then to Ed Orgeron, kind of proving that that program is sustainable. Uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say no matter who runs it, because obviously someone can run something into the ground, but but certainly that it is not impossible to get to the top at LSU. It is not very overly difficult to do so. And so knowing that that has gone out on throughout the last two decades, Auburn's accustomed to having uh, one of the stronger schedules in the league. So difficulty-wise, you, you get a break in 2024 after a, a lot of years of having tough rivals. That's okay. I think everyone wants the rivals to hang in there and still still be played no matter what because they're rivals and you don't, you don't back down from those challenges. But, uh, again, I'm certainly it's hard to complain about having one of the, the weaker five or six schedules in the league in 2024. And, again, that's how we perceive the teams now. If Oklahoma somehow has a big year this year with Venables in year two or or if Sam Pittman is for real at Arkansas, then then that will edge up in difficulty. If Texas A&M figures out what the hell's going on uh, in College Station, then that would get more difficult. So there's still a scenario where it ends up having a, a little more teeth than it appears to right now. But, again, in the current state – of some of these programs, definitely one of the more favorable outcomes for Auburn in 2024. We're going to take our next time out of the show, back with more of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call on this Friday afternoon.
Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday afternoon. Drinking some liquid refreshment right there, Brooks? I am. I don't, you know, it, it, They're not a sponsor, so I won't give them a shout-out, but that's really, really good. It's a strawberry beverage. There you go. Yeah. It's out, non-alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Non-alcoholic. <laughs> it's 5 Just, o'clock somewhere, yeah, it, but it's not here. It is, it is not 5 o'clock here yet. <laughs> it, it could be a good mixer, though. I'm just saying. Yeah. It probably would be, honestly. I'm going to have to try one of this one day because you're bringing them in every single day. and There's not many drinks that I don't enjoy. The ones that I do were pretty much all consumed on Wacky Wednesday. <laughs> that was pretty much the extent of it. All of that was only about two of them were truly good. Yeah. Two or three of them were tolerable. Yeah. The other five or six I want no part of ever again. And Is it the ranch? Well, that's one of them. Again, there's five or six of them, though. It's a it's a laundry list of things. If you if you are very confused what we're talking about, you go check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola on Wednesday. We had a wacky Wednesday, tried 11 different kind of crazy soda flavors, and they were crazy. We also had J.J. Jackson on that show. Uh, Which talk- one was it that he immediately, like, he took, he drank before both of us, or for, before any of us, and he just started coughing before Buffalo we Buffalo Wing. Oh, yeah. Because you don't. You know, obviously he doesn't like spicy things. Yeah. For those that know him, he doesn't like spice at all. And that was not that I've had some sort of like long history with spicy drinks. There's not of a lot of them yeah. that I'm aware of. But that was definitely the, quote, spiciest drink that I've ever had. I would not want to see J.J. run a Bloody Mary. Yeah, I don't like those. I've had, I've had one. And that was enough yeah. too. That was also in the, the uh, the the types of liquids that I don't uh, don't want to really go back to. But uh, before we go too far off subject, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. I feel like since it's Friday, you just start trending in a, a liquid conversation I, I'm direction. In. I'm in, man. Uh, today's birthdays and sports: Roberto Duranter, seventy-two. Former professional boxer who competed from 1968 to 2001. That is a long career. Held world championships in four weight classes. Lightweight, welterweight, light, middleweight, and middle, and just regular middleweight. His final record was 103 and 16 with 70 wins coming by knockout. The Associated Press voted him as the best lightweight of the 20th century, with many considering him the greatest lightweight of all time. What comes to mind here, again, in the spirit of alcohol, is that uh, you usually don't want to be considered a lightweight. So if someone at the bar tonight called you the greatest lightweight of all time, (laughs) 
I don't think that would be as endearing as this would be. Boxing is one of those sports that it used to be really great, and then it's fallen off. It's trying to make a comeback. They've got, you know, they got some national TV deals for some fights, and they there's not as many pay per view like big boxing matches anymore. Yeah. But if it's on, I'll flip it over there and watch a couple rounds. It's more so just the fighting. Yeah. Like, it's not actual boxing, it feels like, that's that's got momentum or is in a decent place. It's like the UFC yeah. type of stuff, uh, MMA, that, that is in a much better place. Boxing, it just... I, I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't know everything for sure. It's not something I closely follow, but... It just feels like there was a lack of unification uh, for a while and yeah. that there's not any big... After, I don't even know if Mayweather really qualified, to be fair, Mayweather-Pacquiao, but it just feels like there's not enough marketable stars no. in boxing. Like, Deontay Wilder, Wilder was really good, but it was hard to market him. Like, I just didn't see how a whole lot of people cared about him. I cared about him because he's from the state of Alabama, but... I, again, I, I don't know if he's grabbing the attention of boxers in the 80s and 90s. I just yeah. didn't think so. But anyway, uh, Roberto Drain turned 72 today. Phil Mickelson turns 53. Golfer on the Live Tour. 45 PGA Tour victories, which is tied for eighth all-time. Three-time Masters champ, two-time PGA champ, and an Open champ. Add that up. That's six major championships. One of the best golfers of this generation. Attended Arizona State. Works up. Before going pro in 2012, he was inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame. I like that some sports like golf say, you know what, don't care, you're still active. You might be active till the day you pass away. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and put you in the Hall of Fame when we feel like it's time. And uh, it was time for Bill Mickelson back in 2012. He turns 53 today. I was trying to find his uh, – it's, it's never a good thing when you say trying to find where he is on the leaderboard. Um, he is currently at the U.S. Open, tied for 88th. Four over on the day, three over on the tournament. And he's done with his round. So he's going to be cut, is what you're telling me. Hey, four over for the tournament, you said? Four, uh, four over on the day, three, three over, over for the tournament. tournament. Still think going to be cut. Yeah. Happy birthday, though. Happy birthday. Bill Mickelson turns 53 today. Go enjoy the live money. Oh, yeah. Justin Jefferson turns 24, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Selected 22nd in the 2020 NFL Draft out of LSU. Go Tigers. He is already a three-time Pro Bowler, a first-team All-Pro, and an Offensive Player of the Year Award recipient, won a national championship at LSU, over 4,800 yards and 25 touchdowns in his NFL career so far. One of the best young receivers in the game, Justin Jefferson, turns 24 today. And Louise Sharp turned 63, former offensive tackle, selected 16th overall in the 1982 NFL Draft out of UCLA. Westwood! He was a three-time Pro Bowler and a second-team All-Pro in 1990, started in every game he played, starting in 189 games during his NFL career. Louise Sharp turns 63 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. Roberto Duran, 72. Phil Mickelson, 53, Justin Jefferson, 24, and Louise Sharp, 63. As we continue on here with this Friday edition of Sports Call, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line now at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 Next up on the show today, Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing today? Hey, it's Friday, guys. We all survived it. That's right. Hey, uh, Brooks and uh, Ryan, is that uh, the, the two uh, dynamic duo on today? Yes, sir. 
Okay, speaking of uh, those uh, wacky or, or, or weird, uh, out-of-ordinary uh, uh, drinks you guys are doing on Wacky Wednesday, you know that one about grass? Yes. You know, I grew up uh, in, in my era, and grass was something that you smoked, not drank. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, in general, I think that's still true. <laughs> Who would who what what would want to even try and sell something that smells like mowed grass? I don't know. Ask Les Miles. <laughs> oh, okay. We go there now. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's get to it real quickly, guys. Uh, I see that uh, apparently we're getting some uh, real interest. Now we'll see how that pans out from some five stars who are going to be visiting us. Uh, in fact, one of them uh, is a Georgia commit right now. And has visited us, us uh, several times. Uh, what's his name? Um, Demarcus Riddick. Yes. Yes. And then we've got a four-star uh, linebacker who apparently is going to choose between us and Texas. But I'm not holding my breath because, you know, we've been running many times before, and even up until signing day, certain people were found to be, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, missing in action, so to speak. And when we thought we had them, we didn't have them. So we'll see what happens on signing day. Uh, but at least it's encouraging that we're getting these people to actually uh, come and visit us not once, but uh, several times. Uh, you guys agree? Yeah, no, I mean, they clearly the momentum continues for the staff. I mean, they've picked up, what, three three guys, four guys just this week, and uh, they've continued to get some of the biggest visits we've seen, at least since Gus Malzahn was here. Uh, the, the momentum is positive. Now, we always want to you know, be, be sure that when we say someone's committed, we're very well aware that just like anyone else in the country, they can still flip. There's a long time to go before they have to sign the letter of intent. But we obviously cover it because it's news, and, and they may very well stay committed to Auburn throughout the whole process. But, I mean, it stands to reason that if someone tries to flip someone that's committed to Auburn, well, Auburn's been trying to flip guys committed to Georgia and Alabama. So uh, we'll see how it all pans out in the end. But with what Auburn's got so far, they're in a solid place. They'll obviously need to keep going up the charts a little bit. But they're ahead of schedule from the last few years. And and uh, they've, again, they've continued the momentum they brought in the winter. And it's it's now projecting into the summer. Okay. Uh, well, I'm taking my uh, – Let's say I'm taking my uh, quiet breathing to see if these guys end up actually signing and do they do it on signing day? Because you know we've been punked. It was in the TV show you call it was punked, and uh, I want to ask you guys: Do you recall? Because I sure don't, but maybe uh, my memory fails me really badly. Uh, has ever happened where either Alabama or Georgia uh, had a strong commit, like a five star or a four star, even and on signing day, they flipped over to us at the last second. Because we've had that. We've been punched several times like that. And you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, flipped over to Auburn. I mean, I mean, again, I I bet it's happened at some point. Do I know a specific name off the top of my head? No, because I can't recall every single guy that uh, has has flipped or been committed elsewhere uh, over the over the, the totality of time. Um so I, I mean, again, I, I think that uh, was uh, maybe what Robert Wood, Woodard was that somebody that 
that happened in a couple Woodyard a couple years ago. I guess I, I don't. I mean, was it was it me? Uh, sort of like you know, it was out in the public. You know, like Mister uh, Tattoo AU guy. You know. Uh, well, that's an extreme case because you don't just go. Well, I'm get... talking about extreme case. Have we ever had something like that happen uh, towards uh, with us? And you know, we punched somebody uh, who's you know thought to be uh, a lock to uh, Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to, to know every single recruit's you know path over the last however many years. Again, that's not uh, not something I keep readily available in, in the mind, but. Uh, I'm sure it's happened to them. I'm sure before. Again, I don't study their recruiting, and that's why if you get kind of lost in just your own team's recruiting, you can get a little nearsighted and, and not think about what's going on with other programs. But again, I, logically, they have lost recruits too. They obviously get way more than they lose. Uh, but but uh, but in that kind of fashion. Yeah. Again, I don't know, Steve. I, I genuinely okay, I'm don't just know. Wondering. And the reason is because you know. Uh, I've just gotten weary of being played by those two major programs uh, like that. So I'm skeptical right now that he's highly recruited, like this five-star guy, Riddick, you know, uh, you know, is being uh, genuine. Uh, but I hope hope to be proven wrong. I guess I've been gun-shy since we've been played so often by both these programs. Yeah, uh, so. via, yeah again, via Brandt, uh, the last time that happened was Robert Wood, Woodyard, was committed to Alabama and flipped to Auburn on signing day of 2021. So that's the last oh, time we're okay. aware of it. All right. Well, thanks for letting me know that. All right, guys, just a real quick uh, update on uh, the live um, and PGA uh, merger possible. Well, I uh, just read today on the Internet that apparently the Department of Justice will now uh, be looking and investigating into the uh, possible antitrust issues about that merger. And then I read from Mark Schleibach, uh and his column, even more details. I know if you guys knew that, but the players who had decided to leave the PGA, like Mickelson, and go to live, they are not going to be automatically reinstated back to the PGA Tour. Uh, and I don't know if you were aware of that. Yeah, we, we've we've seen we've seen uh, Monahan make that statement. And also, they will not be permitted to share in any uh, equity. Um, I guess, uh, in, in the uh, the merger, if that occurs. So um, I wonder how they got that, uh, I, I guess, uh, that to be okayed. Uh, apparently, they put a lot of stipulations on the previous, you know, uh, PGA uh, people who went alive. Um, do you guys think that's, uh, I guess, uh, a payback? Yeah, I mean, obviously, those that went to live, that would be a, uh, that would be a payback, and, Again, at this point, we, we kind of know what we know. We're not going to know more until it advances further in the process, until other people look at this, until they make decisions on how these tours will 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 function in 2024. So, uh, again, I think a, a lot of people, including the players, are still very much uh, up in the air and, and need to see uh, how this will how this will fully play out. And I just read that the PGA commissioner has stepped down temporarily for medical reasons. Uh, do you know anything about that? Don't know the spe- uh, specifics of it, but it was a, uh, a medical issue and it was obviously not planned. So it was, uh, we can, we can speculate all we want, but it was somewhat significant to have to have that happen so suddenly and, and have to, uh, again, step down temporarily. Right. And finally, I just saw an update. Uh, apparently, or Roberts getting 
uh, getting TCU uh, everything um, that they would probably would not want. It's tied two two. Is it still two two? Uh, it is not actually. TCU just took a four to two lead. Oh, they did. Okay. All right. Well, apparently Oral Roberts uh, is not that bad of a team, considering uh, you know we're, we're, they probably um, they're not really considered to be a Power Five uh, conference team, no. are they? No. Yeah. No. They okay. But clearly, play their best baseball here when it's mattered the most. Yeah, and so it holds true that what Tom says, uh, it happens. Anything can happen. Absolutely. All right, guys. That's all I've got. Uh, I hope you guys have a safe, relaxing uh, a weekend. And uh, uh, unlike myself, I have to work at uh, staying uh, out of trouble. Hope you guys have an easy time of uh, staying out of trouble. And uh, I'm going to try some of those weird drinks if I can find them because I just I have to see at how your bad own they risk, really man. Taste. At your own risk. I, I want to see how bad they really taste. Yes, sir. All right, guys. And you know the Flash is opening up uh, this weekend. Uh, you guys plan on seeing it? Uh, not opening weekend, but I absolutely will make sure I see it in the next week or two. Okay, and there's a comedy horror movie. I'm going to check it out. It's called um, Who Wants to Die First? Okay. Uh, it's about a group of uh, uh, black actors. They're all black actors in the movie who decide to have a reunion to celebrate uh, June 19th. And the whole comedy of spoof, is a spoof on, you know, the, the typical horror movies will have a black person die first. Well, that's so the take on this one is there's a killer on the loose there where they're staying at, and they're all black. Gotcha. So that's why it's entitled Who Dies First. Gotcha. Okay, with that said, guys, have a relaxing and uh, entertaining uh, weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Will you have a show Monday? Uh, yes, we will. Okay, then. Talk to you then, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Have a great weekend. That is Retire War Dam Steve. Joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line, we are out of time for hour number one, but still a lot ahead, including a couple more scheduled breakdowns for 2024. Thoughts on the Braves lineup as they made a uh, significant lineup change last night, I would say, and it's back in action again tonight. We'll talk a little bit about how the Braves lineup will function with that and much, much more here on this Friday edition of Sports Call right after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains,
Auburn's, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday afternoon. Woo-hoo. Appreciate the phone calls we've had in hour number one. Still ahead, uh, more uh, from uh, this 2024 schedule. We'll have Player of the Week here a little bit later on uh, in the show. Also get to that Braves lineup change, which is very relevant uh, based off of last night and another Braves victory. Let's continue on. Actually, one quick update. Uh, I don't know if you just saw Oral Roberts just hit a home run to go up 6-5 of the ninth on TCU. So Golden Eagles, baby. That game has gotten crazy uh, late in the first game in Omaha in the College World Series. Uh, let's start hour number two, though, with, with more on the 2024 schedule and the schedule Ready. reveal from Wednesday night. Uh, yesterday on the program, we went through uh, the likes of Auburn, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma. I believe we also hit on uh, Georgia's schedule yesterday. Uh, so let's look at a couple more of the big schools in the SEC uh, as we go through it. Let's, uh, let's go with LSUs and Floridas. Uh, to kind of round things out as we look at kind of the top programs in the conference. Uh, again, every SEC schedule, even the ones that are, quote, in air quotes, easy or easier, uh, still have two, three, maybe even four top 25 teams within. And again, for this schedule, we're, we're kind of continuing on with uh, teams that uh, just, their, just their conference schedules, not adding the non-conference element uh, to them. Obviously, when you look at uh, some of these uh, conference or non-conference games, that can even make things more more difficult with yeah. the likes of uh, Georgia having Clemson in 2024, that that type of thing. Uh, but Florida's for, schedule is brutal in yeah, 2024. Florida's got kind of one uh, small game, yeah. that, that Sanford game. We'll get into theirs in just a little bit. Let's start with let's start with LSU. Uh, so for the conference schedule, definitely when you look at it. Uh, Again, just based off the last year, you would say maybe the more difficult teams are all at home for LSU. This graded out for me as one of the easiest schedules in the SEC as the 13th most difficult, so right around uh, just a little bit easier than Auburn's, for example, based off the ranking. Uh, So they host Alabama, host Ole Miss, host Oklahoma. So those are three pretty solid opponents there, but again, all at home. Host Vanderbilt. Again, you could play them wherever. You'll feel good about that. Then at Arkansas, which, of course, has been uh, a bit of a rivalry for those two. At Florida, which has become a rivalry uh, with the the new crossover that was there for for more than a decade. At South Carolina and at Texas A&M. When I look at that for LSU Brooks, I see on the road a bunch of games that in themselves, each individual team not ranking too highly in the SEC – those feel like a slew of trap games, depending mm-hmm. on how those teams actually shake out. There's obviously a scenario where Texas A&M ends up riding the ship this year. There's a scenario where they have to fire Jimbo Fisher, and and God only knows what that would look like in 2024. Um, Arkansas is another tough one to judge. It's a very important year for them after losing Kendall Bryles to TCU. Uh, with with KJ Jefferson though back at quarterback, who is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I believe. 
uh, and just trying to figure out what Sam Pittman can get that Arkansas out of that Arkansas team this year. At the very least, one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the league coming yes. this year. Uh, and then again, something like South Carolina, who would have been pretty. I mean, they are below average for an SEC, but would have been pretty toothless if not for the way they finished last year, especially that win against Clemson. And now they're uh, in a pretty good place early recruiting for 2024. They're 11th right now. Again, a long way to go. See how that that shakes out. But uh, or or 14th, excuse me. I think Florida's 11th. Uh, South Carolina's 14th. And so interesting to see their program direction if they continue to take steps forward or if that was kind of a flash in the pan for Shane Beamer if it is a little bit overhyped we'll see Uh, but overall Brooks again if you're LSU you don't have Georgia on there you don't have uh, Texas which would probably be a little more difficult than Oklahoma even still you get Oklahoma at home it feels like uh, for the most part again Nothing's easy yeah. in the SEC, but this has to rank as one of the easier schedules in the league. Yeah, and you know, I, I think really, if you were LSU, I, I'm, I think your only complaint is maybe, maybe you would have wanted that either that Florida or Texas A&M game at home rather than Vanderbilt, because I don't think going on the road to Vanderbilt is too imposing, seeing as anybody that goes on the road to Vanderbilt is it immediately becomes X Stadium Nashville. So like you know Auburn this year, I I can guarantee you it's probably going to be Jordan Hare Stadium North uh, in in uh, coming up here this year. Where there's going to be a lot of orange and blue in inside Vanderbilt Stadium. But yeah, you get Alabama at home, you get Ole Miss at home. Um, those are two big uh, two big opponents for you. Two two opponents that pose a, a you know a threat all the time. Um, you get you go on the road to Arkansas, on the road to Florida, South Carolina, Texas A and M. It's it's not a, a, a too difficult schedule. You get Oklahoma at home, and then Vandy's obviously there. So Vanderbilt, you know, drags the drags the difficulty down quite a bit if you've got Vandy on your schedule. And so it it's a it's a fine. Um, I mean, it's a fine schedule. I think LSU fans uh, should be happy with the draw here. You get to keep, you know, at, at least for this year. With you know, obviously we we've been talking about it. Things can. Well, are subject to change in 2025 who you play, but you get to keep that rivalry with Alabama and you get to keep that rivalry with Florida. Um, I think you would have liked to see Auburn on the schedule if you're LSU, just because it's become such a, a, a nice rivalry between the two schools. But, you know, you, you trade out uh, and you get to keep Arkansas on your schedule. So you get three of your big rivals on your, uh, on your schedule for 2024. And, uh, you know, you look at it, Nothing's really a, a tough, you know, far road trip. I guess South Carolina and Florida are the two furthest, but it's not like you're going from Florida to Missouri. It's not you're crossing the whole conference. You're still LSU, still kind of, it, it's on the western side of things, but it's still kind of centralized where their campus is. So you can, you, it's not too far of a drive to get to South Carolina. Not, not too bad of a drive to get to Florida. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a it's a solid schedule. If Brian Kelly can continue uh, LSU moving in the direction that he, he started them on last year, um, it, it they've this has got a chance to put them into that one of those top twelve spots for a playoff. So LSU with uh, one of the easier schedules in the league. Again, when when I graded all this out, and this again does not really include the the road versus home environment, which is obviously a important part of it. LSU with um, one of the easiest schedules in the league. L- easiest schedules for Missouri, which is, again, great for them. You know, throw them a bone, maybe they get six wins. <laughs> you know, or seven wins. I mean, it's not 
that big of a deal. Interestingly, we talked about this yesterday, had Texas as one of the easiest schedules in the league while having Oklahoma one of the toughest. So two kind of different experiences in the first voyage in the SEC. Let's go back up to the top. And what I deemed the most difficult in the entire SEC uh, was Florida's ride in 2024. Now, again, this is still, just in my opinion, with the conference slate, this does not even include what they're doing in the non-conference. So they host Kentucky. Again, Kentucky right now different than the Kentucky of maybe 10, 20 years ago, a, a better Kentucky than than overall, but still not. Again, I think there's a certain ceiling with Kentucky that, that is not as high. LSU, though, at home. Ole Miss at home. Texas A&M at home. On the road, oh, I guess not at, but they in neutral against Georgia. At Mississippi State. At Tennessee. At Texas. And again, with the recency of that, and it's fair to wonder if if Tennessee is uh, a one year or yeah one year wonder with, with Hendon Hooker, or if that's the system. Um, I like Heupel because I like the way he runs offense. Again, I think that they're going to have to come up with more defense at some point, or they're or they're going to be tasked to uh, have to always score those 40, 50 points, but. Milton will tell us a lot because Milton had a couple of deer in the headlight moments filling in for Hooker when he got injured the last couple of years, but he also had a couple of wow moments just because of how strong that arm is. So we'll see how that that goes. But obviously easiest team is Mississippi State, albeit a road game. Then Kentucky. Everyone else is top half, I feel, of the league right now with the possible exception of Texas A&M. Again, the shortened season, top 10 team in the country. Last year, awful bottom 10 of the power five in the country. So it's very hard to figure out what exactly A&M will be. Kind of just slap them in the middle as a law of averages type of deal. But again, the best version of Ole Miss we've seen in quite some time. And again, if you're ranking programs right now, because of Tennessee being hot off of last year, Texas, not back, but having at least an upward trajectory for the first time in a little while. And of course, those are on the road. The, the Georgia game's difficult. It's always going to be on a neutral n- neutral field. And then, Brooks, tell everyone about the, the non-conference element to it uh, as well, as they are going to be very busy in the state of Florida in the non-conference. Yeah, so you know, you mentioned they do have a an easier game uh, on their non-conference. They've already got a game with uh, the Sanford Bulldogs scheduled. Uh, but as tradition, they'll be at Florida State that year. All You always have them with the Knowles. The Knowles seem to be on an tr- upward trend. They're, they're a team that a lot of people have as a dark horse candidate for a playoff spot this year. Um, so they, they've, they've got things turned around. They also – now, these are home games for them, so you, you, you at least get that break. But you get to host – you get the right to host the Miami Hurricanes – who really, you know, who knows what Mario Cristobal is going to have them at next uh, next year. But they've been recruiting well, and so Miami's a big brand. Then you also get to host Gus Malzahn in the Big 12's UCF Knights. So you have three out of the four non-conference games, you have three Power 5 conference uh, opponents on your schedule. You get two of them at home, one of them on the road, and... Yeah, I'm sure the UCF game was scheduled well before they uh, said, hey, we're going to the Big 12, or else I don't think Florida would put three non three Power 5 teams on their schedule. But, yeah, 
it's brutal. Like if if Miami can get things turned around this year, if Gus Miles on a UCF, we already saw them beat Florida a couple years ago in a bowl game. Um, if and if Florida State can continue to go up, it that could be that could be rough. That could be a uh, make or break year if Billy Napier survives this year. Yeah, an interesting uh, decision, I guess, from Florida to do all that in one year. Because I, you know, I love when they play Miami too, just because it's they're such big programs yeah. in that state. Obviously, they've always done the Florida State stuff, and they should. But then the UCF element that was such that was such a big deal for UCF because that feels like there's some level of validation there for what they've been accomplishing, and some big boy, you know, top teams in state. Don't want to mess around with those middle of the road teams. If they're playing someone in state, they want to play someone really low. Yeah, someone they like can't beat them. Yeah, I mean, they they want to make sure they're playing somebody that's got a very very low chance of beating them. You know, th- we'll see how this goes for Napier in Florida in 2023. But if they're around the level they were last year, and they were okay at times, but also there were some games where Anthony Richardson looked lost and and uh, they struggled and they they got nothing accomplished. If they're around that, or Lord forbid, worse this year, that's going to be an uncomfortable game for them too. I mean, it just is. I have no idea what to expect with UCF in the in the in the long run in the Big Twelve, or or with Gus, or anything like that. But I know UCF just beat them uh, in a bowl game the other year. Yeah. Uh, and again, you can take that with a grain of salt because everyone has different bowl strategies, and players are opting out, and and all that. But Obviously, there's not the gap there you think there is uh, or you want there to be if you're a Florida fan. So that entirety of the schedule for Florida, incredibly difficult. Again, in my opinion, the toughest schedule in 2024. So they need to get going in the right direction this year because even I mean, even if they go like 7-5 or 8-4 this year and it's enough for Napier to stay but they're uncomfortable about it, then, again, what are you going to do in 2024? Because if Florida's in a weird place, if it's in a bad place, that's the type of year that can cause you to miss a bowl. And then you'll certainly be fired because you lose to Miami, you lose to Florida State, Lord forbid you lose to UCF too. you got to come up with five conference wins. And what just told you, I already think it's very difficult just to the SEC. So it I, it is going to be a struggle for Florida in 2024. If you're projecting out, if you're buying some stock or selling some stock, I'm probably selling stock from Florida for the next couple of years because that is a difficult schedule. Someone was going to get it. Again, it's not it's not vastly difficult more or excuse me, vastly more difficult than a couple of the other top schedules again from Oklahoma, you know, again, they've got Alabama, Tennessee, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss. Like, that's a tough four uh, also at Auburn. So Oklahoma was the second most toughest, in my opinion. You look at Georgia. Georgia's got Tennessee, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Texas, uh, and Auburn included, uh, and, of course, Florida. You know, you're splitting hairs with a lot of this. The only t- the only schedules that are going to look vastly, vastly different are, like, the top five or top four yeah. versus the bottom four or five. Everywhere in between – or even the ones within the top five will all be kind of splitting hairs to a degree. But that will be very difficult for a program. You know, it's one thing for Georgia to have a a tough schedule. It's one thing if Alabama, who I had right in the middle there uh, of the SEC difficulty, uh, but they do have at Wisconsin the non-conference, is one thing for those programs to have a different schedule because there's a certain level of expectation that they're still not going to take many losses, if at all. 
that they might take one or two big whoop, and in this 12-team playoff, they're going to make it. But for a team like Florida that is a big program with big resources that is struggling right now, uh, that could be a... a, a, a very rough rough go of it uh and i just i don't i don't feel good about their future any other schedules brooks you want to hit on real quick or anything else stand out to you about the rest of the league after we went through auburn alabama's uh we went through texas oklahoma lsu florida and georgia went through seven in totality between today's show and yesterday's show anything else that sticks out to you you want to hit on um i mean you know one the, the couple schedules that i you, you look at that i could be very you know, could be interested in is the that 2024 tennessee schedule because you've got alabama you've got florida georgia oklahoma on that schedule along with kentucky um and you know you look at it and it's like what you brought up if they can if if they can improve on their defense they they could have some success with that schedule, but if they can't find a defense, you've got a couple teams in here that will that that can light you up. I mean, it, you know, you've seen Alabama have a high powered offense these last few years. Georgia's offense is not as as high powered, but we saw what they're what they did to Tennessee last year at at, at Sanford Stadium, and and that was a pretty good Tennessee team. And so if, if you if you can't find a defense to stop them and you know Georgia's defense is going to f- probably find a way to stop you, it could, you know, you, you could have another uh, – you could have a repeat of what happened in the last game uh, that you, you went to Georgia. And then the other one is Texas A&M because if they don't get things figured out this year with Jimbo Fisher, you may have a new coach down there. It's And, it, you know, there's so many – you know, we've, we've brought this up a couple times with different teams in the Southeastern Conference that could be looking for a new coach next year. And it's you know they're, it's not that they're bad coaches. It's just the nature of college football now. If you don't get things turned around quick, it it's you know if you don't get things figured out quick, you may be looking for a new coach sooner rather than later anywhere. Um, but yeah, Texas A and M, you've got that LSU game at home. You got to travel to Auburn, Florida, and then uh, you get Texas at home. That's that's the intriguing one there. Is you get to you get to rekindle that rivalry. And because Texas is coming into the conference, the SEC is like, all right, we're going to make this, you know, we're going to rekindle the rivalry here, but you got to go to Texas A&M and you got to play on, on our turf since you're coming into, uh, you're joining us. So those, both of those schedules are intriguing to me for different reasons. You've also got that neutral site game continuing with Arkansas uh, at Jerry World up in Dallas. So I, I, I'm, it's, it's gonna, those two are going to be interesting to watch throughout the, uh, throughout the 2024 season. Yeah, you know, you look at Tennessee's and um... – I agree with you again. This, this, I had Tennessee's tied with Auburn as on the on the easier scale of things. Uh, Tennessee kind of mirroring Auburn in some ways. They do host Alabama instead of go to Alabama, but they're at Georgia, they're at Oklahoma. So Auburn hosts Oklahoma versus Tennessee going to Oklahoma. They have Vandy, they've got Mississippi State, they do have Florida, and they've got Kentucky. So, you know, they got Mississippi State, Tennessee's got Mississippi State, Auburn's got Missouri. You know, Tennessee's got Kentucky, Auburn's got Arkansas. You know, these are very similar schedules. And, again, I just did a pure number system here, and, and we'll actually find out how these teams play in 2023, and then we'll, we can maybe lock in a little bit more and break some ties if we want to. But but Tennessee's is the same kind of concept. You got Alabama and Georgia. Those are incredibly tough games no matter where you play them. The other 10, if you can get a version of Tennessee very similar to last year, which, again, We'll have to find out this year. But if you can get that version of them, then you don't see anything else other than maybe at Oklahoma 
where you're just shanking in your boots, where you think it's not very attainable. And uh, we, we try and we try and use some assumptions here, but but again, it, assuming that Arkansas or Florida don't take big leaps this year, you know that Vandy's always going to be at the bottom. I just don't expect Mississippi State to make any noise. Uh, again, Kentucky, as good of a program as they've run under Stoops, there's a certain level of talent that they've just not been able to get great access to. There's just a lot of doable stuff on Tennessee's schedule. They, of course, the difference there is they do get Alabama at home, so maybe you think that um, depending on what they do there, that is a more doable game. But even still, 10-2 and two in 2024 is, is not going to eliminate you from the playoff. It's not going to because of that 12-team model, and there could be a stack up of two or three teams at 10-2. And they might all get in, or you might have to split some hairs, and that's when the committee will decide on on on, on differences, on strength of schedule, or, or that sort of thing. And and that's when the league will make the informed decision on whether to go up to nine games for 2025 and to create the model. I still think clearly the preference is to go to nine. Now, that shifted amongst the athletic directors in Destin, and that's why we ultimately got this one-year eight-game model. But again, Greg Sankey not being too secretive about the his desire to to go up to nine. And again, if there is more money on the table from ESPN at some point, and if the playoff does uh, make it conducive to go up to an extra game, it won't hurt anything. It could actually help. Then I think they're ultimately gonna gonna do it. And you know, you, you look at bringing us back around to to Auburn's schedule. Um, you know, we we love to hear from the callers. And we just posted a, a poll on our uh, Twitter account. So if you want to head over to at Sports Call AU on Twitter, what do you think of Auburn's 2024 SEC schedule? Is it easy? Is it just right, or is it hard? That this we want to hear from more people. I know there, there's a lot of people out there that you know listen to us and don't usually call in. We want to give you a voice. Send us that on Twitter. We got the poll open 24 hours. We need to do more polls. It's always a great way to connect with social media. I always freak out about people that. Just try to vote in polls for the hell of it and don't actually give a serious answer because there's really no way to police that. Yeah. Also, I worry about, oh, that poll only got 20 votes. Is that, is that really representative? Probably not. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. Just posted, what do you think of Auburn's 2024 SEC schedule? You can go to at SportsCallAU on Twitter to vote in that. We are going to take our first time out of our number two, back with more of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show right after this. Call into the show. Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. 
This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Tiger 95.9. Ryan Loy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday afternoon, halfway through the Friday edition of Sports Call. I want to remind you that you can go back and listen to Sports Call on the podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. All right, uh, before we reveal this week's Player of the Week, first game from Omaha went final. You did have the upset. Oral Roberts beat TCU 6-5. The magical story in baseball continues uh, as I believe they're matched up with the other game today, right? They, They would be matched up with two Friday games, so they should be on to play the winner of tonight's game between Florida and Virginia, and then tomorrow's games. Uh, again, a couple more SEC teams will be in action as you'll have uh, Wake Forest play Stanford early, but then that Tennessee and LSU game be the nightcap. It's going to be a big one. Yes, I don't it, know if you've seen uh, – it's in the last couple of years there's a bar that's like in Omaha yes, that I, does the jello, jello shots. Shot. Yeah. Have you seen after day one of opening up the jello shot thing, LSU is taking a commanding lead? <laughs> The LSU Are we fans. surprised? I think it was this morning. It was one forty-seven that they've ta- that the LSU fans have taken, and nobody else has crossed a hundred. Oh, the, oh, by the lead? No, the, the totals are way bigger than that. I, they've been tweeting them throughout the day. Oh, have they? I, I saw the one this morning. I oh didn't know. no, they're up so to like six got, or seven hundred oh, now. They're, they're yeah. in. Yeah, no, LSU fans have arrived. The Bayou Bengals are in Omaha, baby. I think Oral Roberts fans were doing pretty well, but I think it's because maybe they played today. I yeah. think it's going to – you kind of go in there right before your team plays. Not LSU. Yeah, <laughs> LSU goes there the whole, during every team playing. Uh, they don't play until tomorrow. But I, I feel like LSU sees those tweeted out throughout the years when they're not there, and they're like, all right, challenge accepted. Because Arkansas did a pretty good showing last year, if I remember correctly. SEC schools know how to do that. We know how to party. They know how to – Put down a jello shot, <laughs> clearly. Uh, I was looking at a graphic today. Florida, who plays this next game, they've been in seven of the last ten College World Series. That is incredibly Insane. impressive. And it, teams like LSU and Vandy have been the four or five of the last ten. But uh, SEC trying to win, I think it's fourth straight national title. Vandy won back in 19, and then uh, there wasn't a tournament in 20, and then you had uh, the Mississippi schools the past two years. So, Again, when you again, I know they do care about baseball. If the Mississippi schools are also doing great things in the league, and Vandy, that's your last three. Yeah. Then you know the entire conference could play that sport because we know the emphasis teams like Florida and LSU put on it, uh, Arkansas too. Before, uh, or I guess uh, as we move on with the show now, uh, even though it is late in the week, it's time to reveal 
this past week's Player of the Week. Brave shortstop Orlando Arcia is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Arcia was pivotal to a big week for the Braves, locking an impressive 454 average with a home run and six RBIs in six games. During the week, the Braves extended a seven-game winning streak to extend their lead in the NL East. Arcia has been a revelation this season as the shortstop is currently hitting over 320 on the year and leads all National League shortstops in all-star votes. Orlando Arcia is Sports Call's Player of the Week. One of the surprise storylines for this year has been that Dansby Swanson left Atlanta, and Atlanta's shortstop play has actually been a little bit better. Orlando Arcia, this week's Player of the Week, Brooks. Uh, and again, I think the deal is three years, seven million, and Swanson's making twenty or twenty-five million a year. Seems like good value. I mean, you, you just you you really look at what before we get to you know what Arcia did this week, but you really look what uh, Alex Anthopoulos has done uh, putting together this Braves roster, and at each turn, you're you know you something's happened. You you're kind of like, oh man, what you know what are we doing? And then it turns out to be a, a pretty fine move. Um, I, I still think people, you know, you know, looking at last year's big move, I think people would have still rather probably had Freddie Freeman here than Matt Olson. But Matt Olson's done a good job coming in and filling in for the hole that Freddie Freeman left when they when when he left. Um, and then you you looked at everyone on the offseason was like, oh, we got to resign Dansby. We got to resign Dansby. Didn't resign Dansby. Went and got Orlando Arcia. And you're like, oh, okay, fine. And he's he's popped off this year. Uh, I remember watching him. He came up with the Brewers organization. I remember watching him at uh, at Biloxi when he was in, he, in the AA affiliate down there at, uh, for um, I think he was playing at I think it was at Pensacola, and it, Orlando Arcia was there, and he was you know, he was a pretty he was a pretty decent prospect. I didn't think he was anything too special uh, when when you saw him playing at, at the minor leagues, but. Man, he's just uh, he's popped off this year, and then this past week was you know as uh, our man Brant said in that uh, that spot there, it's uh, he was pivotal in a in a series last week where you took you swept the Mets and then took two out of three from the from the Washington Nationals. Now those, it's weird to say, but those are the two bottom teams in the NL East. Yeah, <laughs> but still, you know, you, you've got a team at the Mets that's got one of the if not the highest payroll in baseball. Uh, and you did it against their two star pitchers and Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander uh, on the back end of that three game series. So he, he's been a great he's been great for the Braves. was was great last week. Um, I've already got him in my notes. He he had a big performance, I believe, in the second game of the double. It was either the first or the second game of the doubleheader against uh, Detroit on Wednesday. Had a big game there, so I've already got him in my notes uh, on my phone for next week's uh, Player of the Week voting, and so he's he's been really good for the Braves, and it it's it's one, again one of those moves Alex Anthopoulos made that you you were like, well, all right, let's see where it goes, but wish we'd had Dansby, and now you look at how the two have gone this year, like, well, maybe not. Have you seen Arcia's numbers for the year recently? I have not. What do you think he's hitting for the year? And granted, he has not played. Quite as many games played forty eight of the sixty nine so far. But how, when do you think the batting average is? Uh, is it? I want to say you guys it, always used to do this with me. Yeah, you see, but you're better at it. You're, <laughs> you, you're, you look at these box. You 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 scour the box scores like a hawk it, every single night. Everyone has some like late night reading. They read a book right before they go to bed. I read box scores. I watch old football <laughs> games on YouTube, and right. so it, it's uh two ninety something. Higher. Oh, 320. 
Very close. 327. Ooh. On the Man. year for Orlando Arcia again. You got your shortstop hitting north of 300. You're doing yeah. good things. Well, and and so the average has gone back up in Major League Baseball this year. I would tell you, last few years with how low it got. I mean, anyone period at wherever hitting 300 was a great thing. There was only a couple handfuls of guys hitting 300 in the league. Of course, the Braves have another one, and Ronald Cunha Jr. hitting 331 for the Braves. That brings us to the Braves topic I wanted to talk about today. So I don't remember exactly when this conversation was, if it was kind of early in the offseason or if it was more spring training time. It'd probably make more sense if it was spring training time around March. But I talked about I just love the idea of Albies hitting second behind Acuna. I just think that 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 provides a lot of chemistry for the lineup. You don't often talk about that word because baseball is a a group of individual outcomes. Yeah. And that – you don't have to make a great pass for a three. You don't have to block well to get the running back a hole. Like it's just, there's stuff there that is just so clearly more individualized. But I, I still felt like the lineup flowed really well when Albies was was second behind Acuna. They're they're great friends on the team, and it just seemed like morale was high, chemistry was high. So Olsen had hit second all year up until last night. The power numbers from Olsen certifiably great. I mean, and he hit another tank last night. He Boy, hit his he. 19th of the year. He's the only Brave on pace for 40-plus homers as of now, although several Braves are on pace for high 20s, low 30s. But he's hitting 232 overall. And, look, there's a, if you want to go in the weeds of baseball debates and the sabermetrics and advanced analytics and all this stuff about you know, well, batting average is not necessarily as important. That's about on base percentage and slugging percentage of what you do with those hits, how powerful they are. Clearly, Olsen, when he hits the ball, goes a long way. I would still tell you I'm uncomfortable with a 232 hitter, and I'm especially uncomfortable with the 232 hitter hitting second. If you're hitting in the 230s or 40s down in the order with power, that's perfect to me because if you're ending the lineup with a bang, you, you like someone hitting seventh or eighth, they're not going to be an all-star hitter. Even the deepest of lineups don't have a bunch of all-stars one through nine. But what they do have is something that does – or somebody that does something particularly well. Maybe not everything, but either a lot of power or a lot of speed or a great at-bat, just a grinder, something at the bottom of a lineup. And so the Braves have had some of these years where – They've had someone like Adam Duvall at the bottom of the order where he's hitting a low average, but he's hitting 30 home runs or 35 home runs. And that's kind of where Azuna's at right now, where you know he floats between fifth and seventh depending on the day. But he's hitting 230s or 240s, which is whatever. But now he's got his 30 home run power back. If you're going to hit 30 home runs out of the sixth or seventh spot, as long as you hit over 200, I'm usually going to be good with that. So Olsen hitting second, though, little uncomfortable, in my opinion, to hit 232, even if the on-base percentage is high. And so, last night, against the lefty, because Olsen, in general, has struggled, 230 still below what he expects to hit, they moved him to fifth. Who'd they move to second? Ozzy Albies. And Ozzy Albies had a tremendous night last night, as you would expect whenever he does hit right-handed, because he's such a great hitter from the right-hand side of the plate. And Albies for the game, three of four with three RBIs. 
and Matt Olson in the five spot, spot, excuse me, two of four with a home run. Again, that 19th homer of the year. So, even though tonight Colorado will be throwing a right-handed pitcher, Danelle Lamette, former Padre, they're going to keep the order the same. They're going to keep all of you hitting second. I didn't, to be fair, I didn't see the exact order of like five through the bottom, but all of you hitting second again. I'm a huge fan of this, and I think I've, I've laid out the reasons why. Not that you have to pick a side whether it's good or, or not your preference, Brooks, but do you, I mean, I guess maybe a commentary on someone like Olsen that has a lot of power, mm-hmm. not hitting for the high average, but taking a lot of walks. Like, where do you stand in the modern day on how to build a lineup? Because forever, someone like that would hit cleanup, right? I mean, if, if you were a high strikeout, Big Homer guy, you were an Adam Dunn, yeah. who I always go back to, or a Paul Canerco randomly, or Jim Tomey, whatever, 30 or 40 Homer guy that didn't hit for a high average, you'd hit him fourth, typically. So do you like that style, or do you like to look at the on-base percentage and kind of gather up a bunch of the those best guys in the first few spots? Um, Whatever gets you runs. Whatever <laughs> gets you runs. At the end of the day, yes. However you score runs. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think with the with so many sabermetrics and analytical stuff coming into the modern game of baseball, um, you know, the the old days, like like you said, you would have uh, a guy that can get on base and can can move would be your your leadoff guy, and you'd ha- you'd start to tr- you know trickle into the power toward that three, four, five hole, six hole spot. Uh, and then you, your bottom of the lineup would be guys that you know weren't you know weren't necessarily hitting well, but they could they could run around the bases. And you know now you look at this you know just you know looking at the Braves lineup, Ronald Acuna he can hit, uh, Ozzy Albies he can hit, Austin Riley we know he's been able to hit in the past. Uh, you know he hasn't been the he started off the year as an Austin Riley. We were like, well, is he going to pick it up here soon? Um, Travis Darno, you know he can get on base. Olson, like you said, can hit for power. Ozuna, we know it's we we've seen it here recently. Again, another guy at start of the year that you were like, man, he's got to pick this thing up, and then May hit, and he's like, oh yeah, I play baseball here, and then he he started to hit hit a lot more. And uh, Eddie Rosario can get on base; he's got a little bit of pop with his with his bat. Orlando Arcia, we've seen, is batting over three hundred this year. Michael Harris, uh, a guy that we you know was recently on a slump, and then was we said, hey, when is he going to get out of this? Well, he got out of it here uh, in this last couple week or two, and so the, the Braves have have a lot of guys in their lineup that you can that can hit, and so I you know I don't think it really matters at this point who you know uh, if you have like a guy like Olson batting second because he's got the power that you can get Acuna on, and then. You if, if when Olsen can get a hold of one, there's a two run bomb right there, right start of the game. That that's what you're looking for, the two run pop. You're you're trying to get out early, or if you you know you get on, uh, you know you've got the lineup like it is, you know built right now. You've got Acuna and then Albies, two guys that can get on base, and then you're just like, hey, now we you know those are two guys that can get a rally going. We we've got two fast guys on the on base. You got Austin Riley coming up, you got Travis Darno coming up. We know both of them. If they can get a hold of one, they can hit it a long way and then that's two to three runs right there that you can get uh get to to start things off on the baseball game and then throughout your order. And so you know, it, it's it's there's so many like I said, there's so many analytical stuff and there's so many uh the sabermetric stuff that goes into baseball nowadays. 
you know, I really think you build the lineup, you know, you, you look at the lineup and who's pitching, you know, it, it's, and it's not just a lefty versus a righty, but you look at that pitcher and see what they've done against these different guys. And there's, cause there's so much stats out there now uh, you build the lineup off of that. You're like, well, if, you know, let's say if Olsen can hit X pitcher better than this pitcher, maybe you, you put him at this spot or you, you move them down on this, to this point. Um, so, so you're very much a day-to-day approach. I or, would, or you yeah. prefer that way. Yeah, because, you know, each, you know, pitchers, a lot of pitchers are the same, but you can have, you know, you can have, say, like, there's going to be guys that, you know, you can be a great, you know, all-star level hitter. Well, there's maybe this one pitcher you just can't hit. You just can't figure him out. And so it's, you know, if, if you need him in the lineup, you just move him some, you know, in another spot that's not going to be as, uh, as, uh, what what am I looking for? The word uh, detrimental. If if you were to to strike out or something, but so I'm you know it, it's like I said, whatever gets you runs, whatever whatever lineup can get you runs quick uh, quickly and, and can be most effective and get to get to those bullpens quicker. Um, I'm all for it, and I think the Braves. You know, you saw they had success last night. Put up eight runs on the Rockies pitching last night. Only used two pitchers. You only had Shaver and Tonkin go last night for the Braves, and so you know you can get in there. You had a big. Uh, what was it? A five-run second inning for the Braves last night, or five-run third inning for the Braves last night? Um, and it's if you can if if you can manufacture runs, uh, you know, I play with the lineup a little bit if if you need to. I I'm, I don't think you need to have a set lineup all year long unless it's working. And the Braves have worked up until this point. Would you worry that guys would lose rhythm if they are being shuffled in the lineup often? I feel like. Because you hear about hitters when they move in the lineup, they feel like it's a different role. Yeah, it's a different responsibility. So, can the mental side of it? Can you get that out of it? Like, there's no. You tell a guy, there's no traditional way that we need you to hit second. Yeah, there's no traditional way we need you to hit fourth. Like again, going back to it's. It seems so clearly defined in the past. Yeah, saying, like if you hit second, you needed to hit two eighty, two ninety, three hundred. Ideally, you could handle the bat, maybe bun a runner over. You know, the leadoff guy always need to have speed, so you wanted them to be a menace on the bases. And then your three hitter is your best pure hitter. Maybe he's got some pop, but he's also going to drive in runs and, and hit for a high average. And then your fourth guy's clean up. What's he cleaning up? Any ba- any guys on the bases left over. It's going to be kind of an all or nothing at bat, and then we're going to move on to the next inning type of deal. So would you worry that or, – or do you think because – we talk about positionless basketball. Is yeah. is the lineup becoming more positionless? I mean, uh, if you if you were to get into the rhythm of changing up your lineup, um, I don't think it would be a problem. If you like like mentioned, if you set your lineup at the beginning of the year and you just didn't change much of anything, and you just you know every once in a while tweaked it because there's a lefty or you know, depending on who's pitching, you just tweaked it like oh we're gonna move one guy here just because for one night. I think you could get you know obviously you get more into that, but I think if you start off the year saying, listen, we're going out there, we're we're trying to get you know get as many runs as possible. There's not gonna be any. It, it's gonna be situational how how we approach things here. I don't you know if you, if you go in and you know tell your team. And, and start talking, you know, make sure that they know, like you said, positionless, uh, you know, well, maybe not you know, spotless. Like, you know, have, you're hitting in this spot. That does not mean you are have to do this. Um, I think you can get rid of some of that, some of that anxiety from hitters. If you if you set the standard and say, hey, just because you're in the three hole 
or just because you're in the four hole does not mean you have to do this. And all of a sudden become a power hitter. Yeah. I think there's even been Braves lineups in the past where all of these has been clean up or something like that. And to be fair, he does hit a lot of home runs, especially for someone of his size. But also, uh, there's still a version of, of Ozzy out there that hits a lot of gappers and yeah. runs the base as well and does that sort of thing. And like he does not have to be the most powerful, powerful version of himself. There's a version where he still hits 280 and has plenty of doubles, plenty of triples, and some home runs mixed in. We are out of time for our number two. Bit of extended break coming up on the other side of the break. There is some more uh, college football expansion news that we might hit on. Also want to update you on some Auburn baseball recruiting. I believe four new Tigers in the fold this past week, so we can update you on that. Also a little bit later, I want to watch for over the weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now for the day and for the week here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here to take you the rest of the way for this Friday. Uh, We've already talked more about the 2024 SEC schedule. Also mentioned the first result in Omaha as Oral Roberts got it done 6-5 against TCU. SEC teams will get under action tonight with Florida playing Virginia. And uh, that brings us to Brooks. We were talking a little bit earlier today about Butch Thompson recruiting and how Auburn baseball has tried to be pretty active in the portal for the this past week. He mentioned right after losing the regional um, in very disappointing fa- uh, fashion how Quickly, he was going to get back on the recruiting trail. We've obviously seen that with Hugh Freeze this week, the football program. But Brooks, fill us in on some of these transfer portal moves for Auburn baseball here this past week. Yeah, over uh, you can read this article over on our uh, from our friend, uh, friend of the program, Lindsey Crosby posted this over on uh, Auburn Daily, which is the si.com uh, Auburn site. Uh, we've had him on several times, always great, uh, info on baseball, but yeah, they got about four commitments from the transfer portal so far since the end of the season. And one was right after the end of the season. Uh, you've had a couple UAB guys and a Jacksonville state guy, as well as the new kid on the block that just, uh, joined today. But, you know, you, you look at, uh, who this Tigers team has gotten the UAB pitcher, Carson Myers was, uh, committed a few weeks, a couple weeks ago right after the end of the end of the season had a pretty good showing with UAB 
uh, last year. Had 13 starts for UAB, going three and five with a 3.52 ERA. Struck out 70 batters in 71 and two thirds innings, walking 34, and he only allowed two home runs all year with opponents hitting 2.31 against him. And so, a, a pretty decent pitcher coming from UAB. You've also got UAB infielder Christian Hall, who is joining uh, this this Tigers team. Hall, the grad transfer from UAB, and hit 3.17 for in two years with them. 19 home runs, 40 extra base hits. Uh, for the Blazers. Then you had Jacksonville State outfielder Mason Manners, uh, who has joined the program, a rising senior, hit 341 with 12 doubles, 27 extra base hits, and nine stolen bases uh, last year. And then the newest kid that got committed was from Miami, Ohio, uh, shortstop Cooper Weiss. I'm gonna, I think it, it spelled just like Charlie Weiss's name, so I'm going to say it's Weiss. Um, but Co- uh, Cooper Weiss the, uh, from Miami of Ohio, Last year for the Red Hawks, um, hit 303, 12 home runs, 20, uh, 28 extra base hits, and led the team in stolen bases with 17, uh, attempted 18. So it was only caught stealing once in his attempts last year. So Auburn's getting some transfers in. We saw a couple transfers that made a made impacts last year for the Tigers coming in, specifically Tommy Vale was a guy that you saw come in as a transfer from, uh, from a Mac college and he was able to uh, become a, a Friday night starter, basically for for the Tigers as the season went on, as it was necessary. But you got some some uh, some talent coming in. Butch Thompson continuing to work the phones. I remember uh, the day Auburn was eliminated uh, that Saturday against Southern Miss. Uh, his post game, he said, "I've got a couple zooms set up tonight for recruiting." And so the the Tigers uh, jumped right into uh, work figuring out that transfer portal stuff. And uh, yeah, they're starting to get some guys in here for for baseball. Yeah, again, a lot of, obviously all those guys really coming from smaller schools, but I would not worry as much about that in baseball as I would uh, in, in football in particular, just because all those guys, around 300 hitters, had various either uh, good extra base totals or speed. Speed, uh, the pitcher from UAB, mid-three ERA, so the record, again, notwithstanding. I mean, that's a, a solid ERA, uh, especially in a sport that saw, I believe – the most home runs ever I, in a I think season. You're right. I believe I saw that. That was coming into Omaha. So any anything in Omaha is icing on the cake for that record. So you saw higher ERAs. Any ERA in the threes is good in, in college baseball now. So I, I I think those are good gets. You also got to remember, as you talked about with Tommy Vale, and also I'll add Cooper McMurray coming from Kansas. Yeah. Kansas in baseball, not much better than Kansas in football. Uh, Kansas basketball is the thing that stands out. The other things there, not as much. And so that's not necessarily, even though it's a uh, power five, although we don't really use that term in baseball, even though it's a bigger conference school, Cooper McMurray not coming from a, a huge school, but he certainly had a huge impact on Auburn this year. So Auburn's been good at identifying some of these transfer players, and they, they get four just here in the last week. And Cooper Weiss, the kid from Miami of Ohio, looking at some of the rest of the, uh, his accolades here, uh, like I said, this article coming from our friend Lindsey Crosby over at Auburn Daily. Uh, go over there and you can check out all of his great work. Uh, he was a freshman All-American at Coastal Carolina in 2020 uh, before transferring to Miami, Ohio for the 2023 season uh, and then this past year he was the MAC defensive player of the year and earned a spot on the all on the conference's all defensive team so defense there good too. glove good glove on him so Auburn gets a few players there for the portal uh, when we identify needs still for baseball as we tried to do in basketball it still kind of depends on 
Uh, a couple more factors. We're still at that time where starting to get commitments to return. Like we know Ike Irish, no no transfer portal poaching there. He'll yeah. be he'll be back at Auburn and Chris Stanfield's uh, gonna be back next yep. year we saw that. Stanfield as a as a freshman this year had a productive campaign. So probably looking for more pitching, yeah. I would say. I would say that uh, they've filled some needs there already with hitting. So just getting more arms. And uh, we know that this team really operated without Joseph Gonzalez all year long. So that's not – even though he's not going to be on the roster next year, he looks to look for his pro prospects. It's not really a loss if you didn't have him to begin with this year. He only pitched one game. So – Yes, you don't get the possibility of his success next year, but you had to go all year essentially without him anyway uh, here in 2023. So uh, that that being said, you still uh, needed to get more guys in there, and so they will they will have to do that. But I like that UAB kid again. That mid threes ERA took took 13 starts, averaged about five five and two thirds innings a start. I did the uh, quick math there, so. Uh, again, uh, that that's what they're looking for, and you also expect with Butch Thompson's prowess to, to be able to develop someone uh, from this year's team, too, to get better, and uh, that's how how they've been doing it. So uh, good gets in the portal, but uh, obviously more work to do, especially with, with the pitching side of things. We're going to go to our first timeout here at hour number three. When we come back, a quick word, quick update on college football expansion as one team – Notified the Mountain West today that they could be on the way out, what that means potentially for the Pac-12. And then coming up just after that, we'll have a what to watch for over the weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, here with you on this Friday. Little expansion news for you. Not going to spend a large amount of time on it, but uh, any and all expansion news interesting as we continue to monitor if there's going to be another seismic shift in the sport. Something maybe potentially more seismic than what we've ever seen if we see entire conference lose it. Rest in peace the whack, even though they still operate in other sports and at lower levels. But today news that San Diego State, 
it has requested withdrawal from the Mountain West Conference. There's a little bit of reporting done on how San Diego State meant it to be more of a exploratory message to the Mountain West, like what would be required? Could they get out of the deal a year early? Usually it's got to be two years heads up. They're wanting it, wondering if it can be one, if there's any waiver of the full fee, which is kind of foolish because why would the Mountain West let one of its top two or three members go for cheaper yeah. and go easier and sooner? You know, that doesn't behoove them to do that. So it's unclear the exact intention at this point from San Diego State because as of now, the reporting says there is no offer from the Pac-12. I believe, though, it's pretty clear that there will be one. San Diego State would not leave the Mountain West if there was not. The only other conference that would make any 10% sense for them would be the Big 12. There has been reports that there have been a few discussions on that front. However, the preference from San Diego State, as it should be, is to be in the Pac-12. That is geographically responsible to a school which is smaller. And although the Big 12 has expanded in some ways out that direction most notably with Utah, or excuse me, with BYU, which is in the state of Utah, and potentially with Colorado. There's still nothing in California, and obviously the Pac-12 schools will be much closer than the Big 12 schools. So I would think that San Diego State is on their way to the Pac-12 here rather shortly. The, the, the deal is, or the lack of a deal, is that they're waiting for numbers and figures, as all the Pac-12 schools are, from getting a new media rights deal. That seems to be the next domino, is things will happen, decisions will be made when the schools know what the media rights deal is. A lot is hinging on this. But the Pac-12 appears to be... Uh, in the process of, of trying to get San Diego State. This can't be their only move. Obviously, San Diego State alone does not bring up near the value they've just lost in USC and UCLA. They need to have a sort of Big 12 approach and try and bring in a quantity of teams. Now, I think the quality that the Big 12 brought in was pretty damn good for what they had to work with, but I'm not sure that that complete quality exists with what the Pac-12 could get but they've got to get the best of the rest. Uh, And it's odd to me, Brooks, that this projected invitation, this move from San Diego State and all this is trying to be, as I just said, after the TV deal gets made because would you not say that as little as it might bring, if you can bring San Diego State and others, preferably if you're the Pac-12, you really want to get Boise State in there, even though I know I know Idaho, not a noted football paradise as a whole. Boise State is a, is a relevant program. And then I don't know the others you would pull from the Mountain West or from that area. But don't you think you bring those in first, then go to the networks and say what kind of value does this add for you? I mean, maybe it, maybe I'm just wrong, and it's since it's it's maybe it's just an absolute nothing burger. It does not does not move a dollar, 
but you can't just go to the network and say, oh, well, we promise we're going to get these schools. We're just not going to bring them in until after the TV deal. Well, that seems kind of fishy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I can see both sides of it going in and saying, look, guys, we're expanding. We're, we're getting more teams, and these are two uh, you know, quality group of five schools. And you could pitch it that way. But also, if you're, you know, if you're looking at your, your product as a whole and you say, I think we could be, get a better deal without San Diego State and Boise being in the picture and then bring them in and see what they do in the conference uh, and, and maybe that would help us out on our next TV deal, I could see that argument too because when you, you look at, you know, it, it's still in a – I'm a big proponent of, of small of, – of group of five football. I think everybody that's been on the show here knows that I love watching some late night Mountain West action. I love watching Tuesday, Wednesday night action. Um, but if you're looking at it, if you're looking at the whole of what the Pac-12 has left, which is everybody minus UCLA at USC, and then you look at Boise State and San Diego State, I mean, I would say nine out of every nine out of ten are are teams that are bigger brands than those two. Maybe you could argue that, uh, you know, Arizona football and, uh, you know, uh, who else would uh, – Cal football right now, you would say Boise State's probably a bigger brand than them or San Diego State could be, you know, on par with them. But it, it's, you know, the, I don't know if there's – I don't know how much added value those two markets uh, bring you because, like you said, Boise has the Idaho market, which is – Fine. They've got they they watch Boise State football. That's probably it. Um, you could argue that getting San Diego State reopens that Southern California market that you're losing to the Big Ten with UCLA and USC. But outside of the city of San Diego, what is the San Diego State viewership footprint? Is there are is there an alumni base? Is there a big alumni base in Los Angeles that would be interested in, in watching it and bringing in those dollars? It, it's you know if. If they if they make this jump, I think it's a fine jump. I think San Diego State can be competitive in the Pac-12, um, especially when you look at the bottom half of those those teams. Uh, the, you say, yeah, I think San Diego State can beat those teams. They just beat uh, UCLA just a couple years ago, the first time they've ever beaten UCLA, uh, and it was in the Rose Bowl. It was I think 2019 uh, they did it, and so you know, they're starting to get you know they've they've got a good footing there. Their head coach is Brady Hoke, I think, um, and so for the second time, for, yeah. Uh, so you, you've got a good footing there, but it, I think it. I think I think it's when the Pac-12 looks at it, you've got to ask what added value these two programs bring that you don't already have in the rest of the conference. Can it, do, do these two teams get you a better deal? That's that's the question you have to ask. Is does San Diego State and Boise State get you a better deal, or is it like, all right, cool, this is still your deal? Yeah, and, and and I guess that would be the latter there. The question is, you know, what is the holdup with Colorado? Yeah. Someone like that, or with an Arizona school um, from joining the Big 12, what kind of number do they want to see? Again, this is all, it's all tumultuous because if they don't like the number, the Pac 12 agrees to it, and Colorado backs out of the conference. And then say someone else follows. Well, then does it? Well, I don't think it's going to be ESPN, but whoever agrees to the media rights, they then say, "Oh, well, you lost some part of your value. We want to take some back." To be TV. 
You know, uh, well, I mean, whoever it is, you, you can't be very excited if you end up losing a couple yeah. of those those schools, even if it's not the Oregon or Washington type of school. Because what if that sets off more? And I just, I again, the Pac-12 has mismanaged the hell out of this. And they should have been, it's not, I mean, I, this is the first step in the right direction for them. They should be trying to get San Diego State in. Again, it's not, it's not sexy. It's not incredible. It's not, oh, my God, look at this great get. But it's just a necessary step to preserve your conference. You have to make up. You're not going to equal, but you got to make up some of the value that, you're, that you lost in USC or UCLA or everyone's going to potentially walk. That's what the Big 12 understood. And I get that they got a better pick, I feel like, because mm. the schools they got are above I mean, really all the Mountain West schools with the exception of maybe Boise. But, again, from market standpoints and other factors, you could still argue these schools. But it's like to get UCF and to get Cincinnati, to get Houston, to get BYU, who has a history, like that was clever thinking. Is it equal to Oklahoma and Texas in the long run? No. But it at least made a good dent in that loss to get those four who all have at least some potential mm. in their own way where the Pac-12, okay, they're Oklahoma and Texas, so to speak, being UC, uh, UCLA-USC. I get it. They have even a slimmer picking than the, the Big 12 did. But you grab Boise, you grab San Diego State, maybe Fresno State or something like that, find another, and again – I'm under no illusion that equals USC and UCLA, but it at least gives the other teams the signal that we're trying to hang in there. We're forward thinking this conference ain't going to cave, but they, they do this stupid negotiating with, with streaming only. They do this wait and see approach. Um, not very champion like, from the Conference of Champions. And it's weird because, you know, the last round of conference expansion, they were on top of things. They grabbed Colorado and they grabbed Utah. Now, necessarily, Colorado hasn't worked out well. Utah has been a, a pretty good pickup for That's them. Been a, yeah, it's been a good uh, get. And so they were more aggressive last time. They went out there. This time they've gotten, gotten cherry-picked. They, they, they're too... They lost the Los Angeles market, and that's you know arguably the biggest market that you have in the in in the in the conference. You could argue you know now their biggest market is probably San Francisco, but when you go to San Francisco, how many people care about Cal and Stanford football there? Probably not a lot. No, it's it's not well, the same. And also, you get again you, we talk LA market, but the USC and UCLA don't captivate the LA market like the professional teams there. Unless so. USC is like. Awesome. 2004 USC, yeah. yeah it, but it, it, you know, it's still you. You lost your biggest market, and you know the they are uh, now. You get you're going to get the captivate. Now the Big Ten is going to take advantage of it because they're going to be sending Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State to Los Angeles. And there's, I mean, sure there's some big uh, alumni bases out there, and people are, the 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 city is going to be like USC versus Michigan. All right, let's watch it. USC versus Ohio State. Yeah, let's watch it. Yeah, you lost it. You know, you lost out on it if you're the Pac-12. You you just fumbled the ball. Yep, fumbled, but not even at like the two yard line. No, it was somewhere like maybe around midfield. I don't know. Uh, we're gonna take our next time out when we come back. What to watch for over the weekend? You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine.
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here. We're getting so close to the weekend. You, can you feel it? I can taste it. You can taste it. Are you sure it's not the beverage you've been having for the last couple hours? Well, now it's water, so um, maybe not. Okay, never mind. Uh, so about to do what to watch for over the weekend. Uh, Brooks, last night, last thing I want to mention real quick before we did, uh, US of A with a uh, soccer match against Mexico. How'd that one go? Uh, I mean, it went result-wise, it went well. With the U.S. men's national team won 3-0 over Mexico, biggest rival, as uh, I'm sure a lot of people know, and punched their ticket to the UEFA Nations League championship uh, or final on Sunday evening. The The problem was uh, you, you had a couple of your stars get red-carded there. There was four red cards handed out to, to – uh, Mexico players and two U.S. players were handed red cards, so you're going to be without two of your stars for that Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening matchup against Canada. Arguably, you're another one of your biggest rivals in the in the Concacaf region. Uh, but yeah, three three goals to nil. That's hadn't happened in a long time, especially versus Mexico. Uh, Christian Pulisic uh, is is just was phenomenal. Scored twice last night and. You've punched your ticket to a cha- to a to have another uh, shot at silverware. The U.S. won the last Nations League a couple years ago. I think that was against Mexico, and then uh, they they get it again, and so you get a chance to punch a chance to get another uh, another championship. Yeah, I was about to say it feels like the U.S. has had a lot of success against Mexico the last few years. Have not lost in their last six meetings, I believe. So it's either been wins or draws against uh, the Mexican side. So you can try to argue that. Uh, maybe Mexico didn't care about a particular match or, or that sort of thing, but uh, that's a nice little streak there for the U.S. Yeah. It's, it's uh, hard to argue that Mexico care about none of the six. So, <laughs> uh, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to call us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Get one more call here before we do what to watch for over the weekend. Next up, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm I'm doing great. I know I've been calling in every day. I mean, uh, college football—that's my game. So, uh, I, I, I'm, that's great. I'm yeah. excited about. This. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about all this stuff coming on and stuff. But hey, Ryan, here you go. Let's—is this possible? Okay, um, Phillips. He's a four-star linebacker. I believe that's his name, right? From Georgia, or or that, uh, yeah, I think so. Yes, okay. Is this possible now in this day and age that and, and I'm not saying this is what's happening, no way, but it it could happen, right? George's got a, a, a you know, a loaded defense. You know, they they they've got a good crop of linebackers, right? They've got, you know, a five-star recruit already, you know, committed. So so 
what is it possible for somebody to say, hey, go somewhere else, get your NIL money. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to offer you that. We we don't need you that bad. Go yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, no, I and, think that's possible. Yeah, and then, you know, we'll see how you work out. And if you work out good, we'll have you transfer in. I mean, it, that is possible, isn't it? Yeah, the second part of that would be, um, I guess, less likely. I definitely think the first half of that happens pretty frequently. I think, in fact, it even happened with basketball recruiting with Auburn uh, th- this past year uh, when when they lost a couple of guys in future classes. But, you know, the transfer back in part, that, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's unfathomable. Definitely would think it's very rare. I mean, well, I'm just saying is, is has it – do they have to sit out a year? If no. They transfer inside the conference anymore? No. Uh, not so the first what, time. Yeah. So why, you know, um, so it is possible. Like, yeah, no, it's possible. Say, I just, I don't think that don't it would be like Yeah. You know, because okay. let, me, let me put it to you this way. And again, this is where it comes in, where it can be fathomable. You can, you can see it, but it would not be many circumstances. If you actually achieve success at another big school, then you kind of become such a big deal. You don't really need that other, even bigger school necessarily. Yeah. Um, so right. you're you're talking about a, maybe a very specific instance. Now we've seen something like uh, the the wide receiver was it Jordan Addison from from Pittsburgh that went to USC. Well, you know that's a pretty yeah. marketable difference there. Uh, but he was obviously already right. awesome at Pitt before he, he went out to USC. So you can see some of that, but... Right, right, exactly. But yeah. it would get okay. rare. Ryan, you're so good at explaining things. I mean, <laughs> Thank yeah, you, yeah. you've got that GM protection. You do. <laughs> so, uh, yes, you've looked... Because I'm sitting here, I go, man, that's the way to go. Just send all your players somewhere else and then hire them back. You know what I'm saying? Let somebody else train them. And you bring them back. So, but yes, that makes sense. They they're not going to come back. <laughs> yeah, some of, some of them wouldn't. And then if they weren't very good at the other school, yeah. then you wouldn't want them back. Exactly, exactly. I understand. Hey, I just I, I'm glad you answered that question. And I would uh, just had 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 something had something for me to do on a Friday evening. Hey, all right, we're always we're always down to talk to you, man. All right, you all have a great weekend and. Uh, no fathers there yet that I know of, right? But just happy a cat Father's dad. Day to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not yet. Huh? Brooks yeah. is just a cat dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. That counts for something, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, not maybe not too long from now, Brooks. Right? Maybe next year. Uh, hey, listen, we'll I, Jeff. Yeah, you and Jeff, Grace working on anything? If, if, yeah. if my mom has not started asking about kids, I, I don't. You know, let, let, let's hold off for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be the first one. So if she's not pressuring, I'm not pressuring. That's for sure. All right. Y'all have a great weekend, and I'll talk to y'all later. You too, Jeff. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day to you. That is uh, Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate Jeff for for calling in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I see where he was going with that. Because I I can see one or two instances a year where someone – Huge transfers for the hell of it, anyway. But mm. um, you, that that would feel, feel like more of a, uh, a a major league scenario 
calling the minor leagues to develop there and then come back to us. The, the one scenario that I could see that as a, really a factor is say they, you, you get the kid to go to a small school in a big market, say, you know, for uh, like a temple that's in Philadelphia or someone that's in a big, like a big, uh, a smaller school in a big city, you can go there, maybe get some, you know, a, a decent check from the NIL, rock out at Temple for a year or two, and then like, all right, you want to come back and play for Penn State now? I'm like, yeah, well, I'll come back and Penn, because you can get my draft stock a little bit higher, and then go back and rock it in the Power Five. I could see that happening. Yeah, and, and you've always been able to get some smaller schools yeah. players. I mean, even, even when transferring which much more difficult you could still pull someone from a, a, a small a sunbelt school yeah. or conference usa or or anything like that and yes they'd have to sit out a year under the old rule or depending on what what exactly circumstance we're talking about but there would be guys that make a big name out of themselves and then transfer mm-hmm. up to a big school trying to get an nfl draft opportunity or, or or play on the biggest stage so certainly that kind of thing can happen. But I think if you're talking about a level like Auburn, even yeah. though it's not had the consistent uh, you know, championship success, A, the ceiling still exists to- I mean, completely. And then B, obviously Auburn's playing, uh, sending players to the NFL. They've got a whole big NIL deal. You, know, you, can, you can do all the things you want to do anywhere at, at Auburn or a school like it. So uh, but certainly appreciate that uh, phone call from Jeff. NIL always raises new questions each each and every day, honestly. And uh, we'll have more of them whenever there's a new guidance from yeah. Congress or NCAA or, or whoever, uh, whenever that comes through. Starting to wind down here this Friday edition of the show. Let's get to what to watch for over the weekend. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. All right, what to watch for over the weekend. It's been on our TVs here in the office the last two days. The U.S. Open at Los Angeles Country Club. Not some big fancy name. Just give you a city and and country club. Um, Scoring very low for a U.S. Open. I'm seeing double-digit red figures on on a Friday. I'm a little addled, a little, little confused. It's been tougher today than it was yesterday. Yeah. But Ricky Fowler leading at 11 under. Brooks, do you, I don't want to ask you this part of the question because I think that the other part's obvious. But I'll ask you this. Uh, do you get bit out of shape if a U.S. Open gets really low scoring like this? Or are you kind of always like, I want to see as many birdies as possible? Uh, I mean, you know, if, you know, these are professional golf, I mean, no matter what, I'm not going to be able to do anything that they're doing on the course <laughs> unless they shank it into like a bunker. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I can yeah, do. Yeah, I, I can relate. That's this me. is the beach. Um, the, uh, but you know, I, I don't really, you know, if, if it's a higher scoring, you, you like to see the more competition. You, you like to see the, the, the players battle through a little frustration, but then if you get a low scoring, uh, as long as the, the leader is not running away with it and it's low scoring, like, you know, they're at like 12 under and the, the first person behind them in second, it's like six under, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. As long as it's competitive, no matter which way it is, if it's a higher scoring or lower scoring, as long as it's competitive and you can get some drama in that last round, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. When it comes to majors, I don't know if you feel this way, but you've got four, Masters, PGA, U.S. Open, Open. It feels like there's such a gap of time between the Masters and the PGA, and then as soon as you hit the PGA, 
you're like PGA, U.S. Open, the Open, boom, 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 and it feels like they all the last three get out of the way quickly. But the Masters, it it takes so long to get to it. You know, you're thinking about it for like a month. You're like, oh, the Masters is coming up. Then you have the Masters, and you're like, all right, we're into major season. And then there's such a long. It feels like there's a long period of time between the Masters and the the PGA, and you're just you know you're sitting there, and and. And PGA kind of and also kind of sneaks up on you too because you're like you're sitting there you you're having this long layoff and then it's like all of a sudden hey guess what this weekend PGA Championship like oh wow it it has not struck me that way the reason being it used to be worse yeah because remember it used to be um, the PGA would be the fourth and I know yeah. you're I, I know you're just talking about the difference from the first major to the second major yeah. so in the past. It was a mid-April Masters, yeah. which has always been the case. For second week, third week. And then their big May tournament would be the players, yeah. which is not a major. So you would wait till around this time yeah, to get for the, the US, US Open. Open. Then you'd go one a month for the last three months because yeah. PGA would be like second week of August, something like that. Then they start the FedEx Cup soon after. So to me, it feels more succinct. It, it feels uh, more put together. I think if you look to the counter, and I have not, I think that there might be an extra week, sure. maybe two, between the Masters and the PGA versus the other majors that you're talking about. But, but no, I, I mean it. It it feels it feels pretty much boom, boom, boom. Um, and I hate it when you know someone like Tiger's just not healthy enough to go. Yeah. And honestly, and news broke today he's not going to be at the Open. I mean. I know he had another surgery, so that's that's part of it. But again, in his in his older beat up state, I I don't you know that's not going to help him. Yeah, that there's there it's four and four months instead of four and five months. So I again I it, I don't really notice it, and just because it's it's still closer together than it used yeah. to be. But um, I guess the return question I'll have for you, we we'll only have time for one more. What to watch for the weekend now, but. The, other, the question I thought of, which I think I know the answer to, would you rather have a leaderboard of a bunch of relatively unknown people mm-hmm. but have the scoring, l- like, poor? Yeah. Like, around even par, as a lot of U.S. Opens are. Or would you rather have the scoring high and have a bunch of big names? I think I know the answer to that. You yeah. want the big names. Big yeah. names. Because it's just, you know, when – it's not just because you know it's not just Tiger Woods, but when you look at you know when you're looking at that last round and you and, and in the past you've seen Tiger Woods on that in the contention, that's going to get your eyeballs. That's going to get your eyeballs to that that uh, that TV. And I think that's something that you know I think some people were worried about when when Live came when Live came up and took a lot of big names away. You're like there goes the Shambo, there goes Mickelson, there goes Kepka, some guys that were around the top of the leaderboard. You're like oh no. Now, you know, who's going to be here? Now, PGA still kept some good names. You kept Fowler, you kept McElroy, you kept Spieth. Uh, you, you've got still had big names on, on the PGA Tour that kept you, you uh, you you know, locked into to the PGA. But, you know, I, I would much rather watch the big names battle it out than someone. You know, every Just once for in a the while, principle of a score, yeah. Every once in a while, if, and, and if you've got, like, a random guy in there that's, like, second or third, like, challenging for it, you're like, man, who is this guy? Like, the... Uh, and like the uh, the amateur that or the the PGA professional block, yeah, Michael that was block. at the PGA Championship. You're like, man, this is kind of fun. You a little underdog to root for, but I love watch the you, you love watching the big names. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. One more, real quickly here. Again, we've mentioned a little bit about it, but 
with uh, all the professional sports, kind of the main team sports gone except for baseball, uh, down to some more of the, not lower level, but again, less popular overall sports. Uh, but also our last collegiate sport of the year, college baseball in Omaha. Already t- told you about game one with Oral Roberts winning. Game two, Florida-Virginia. This weekend you got more action. Brooks, uh, do you have a team you're rooting for over the others, or uh, what do you want to see out of uh, out of Omaha? I mean, you really would love to see uh, the Golden Eagles of Oral Roberts go a long ways because they're just kind of you know, the underdog there. They they're they're coming in. They won their first game. You really want to see them go. Coastal Carolina won it all a couple years ago, getting in there. You you love to see those stories. You know, in the SEC, watching all year, you get to watch Tennessee, you get to watch Florida, you get to watch. Uh, you get to watch LSU, and so you, you kind of know the power that they've got on those those rosters. So, you know, you you, you want SC, you know as an SEC school, unless it's you know if, if you're Auburn, unless you're Alabama, watching Alabama or Georgia, you kind of root for those SEC teams. But also, you know, Wake Forest, first time they've been in back in the College World Series since like 1950 when they won it the last time, and so that that would be a fun story because they're just slugging the ball. That you saw it last weekend in that Super Regional, that especially that third game against Alabama, they just slugging the ball this year, and so they're a fun team to watch so I don't think there's a team that you absolutely can't root for at Omaha this year uh, but there, there's some good storylines to root to uh, to pick over the others all right we're about out of time for the show time for a nightly tv guy to get you out of here our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got? Well, your movie picks for the evening tonight coming up at 7.30 on BBC America. It's the parody film of Star Wars. Spaceballs is on TV tonight. <laughs> uh, so there's some Friday night comedy for you. Then at 7.30, 7.34 on the dot on Sci-Fi, it's Transformers The Last Night. The new Transformers movie just came out. And so you can catch up with some Transformers tonight before you go see the new one uh, here shortly. Uh Sports for you tonight. College World Series continues on. Virginia takes on Florida tonight. Two really good programs battling it out up there at Omaha. Six o'clock on ESPN. Seven o'clock on NBC. Just like last night, you got primetime U.S. Open golf. Second round action. A lot of the leaders just got their uh, their rounds underway here in the last. They're still in the front nine, so you'll get to see them finish up tonight. And then two different fighting uh, sports tonight. Bellator MMA. It's Bellator 297. Uh, Nimkov versus Romero over on Showtime at 8 o'clock. And then at 9 o'clock on ESPN, it's the Professional Fighters League, a regular season bout for the heavyweights and the women's side of things. So some fighting tonight, some baseball. And, of course, the Braves are in action again tonight. Game two against the Colorado Rockies. That's at 620 on Valley Sports Southeast. And that is your nightly TV guide brought to our friends at White Call Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being here throughout the week. We'll see you again next week. We'll see you then. And, of course, we thank all those that tuned in and called in today and throughout the week. That will do it for another week of Sports Call. For Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Father's Day weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.